0: This new year, please consider supporting Glass Tire. Because we're a nonprofit publication, all of our coverage is supported by viewers, readers, and listeners like you. If you would like to support our coverage, our news writing, or anything else on our site, please go to glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello everyone and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I am Brandon Zek.
1: I'm Jessica Fuentes.
0: And I'm William Saradet. And today we are talking about a new film that recently premiered by Andre Serrano. Yes, that Andre Serrano of Piss Christ, fame, and, you know, everything else he's done over the past couple years, too. Um, This film is called Insurrection. It fittingly debuted in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, which is uh, the one-year anniversary of the uh, riot insurrection uh, in D.C. that happened on the Capitol. Um, This film was a commission and uh, collaboration between the London arts organization Apolitical and and the DC arts-based nonprofit cultural DC it's screened at cultural DC this past weekend. We were fortunate enough to be able to watch a uh, screener of it online and we're just going to have a conversation about it because it's, it's a complex and kind of hard to watch film in many ways. Um, It's a little over 75 minutes long. It, uh, it's very much in the found footage video tradition of artists like Christian Marclay or of like Arthur Jaffa's Love is the Message, the Message is Death. Um, Serrano, I don't believe at least, didn't shoot any new footage for this. It's all culled from either historical footage or the majority of it is culled from YouTube, parlor. Um, you know, all of the various people who actually shot video themselves during the Stop the Steel rally and uh, during the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, With that, you know, there are certain elements of this that kind of stick out, but William, Jessica, what were y'all's kind of initial thoughts about this film?
1: Well, for me, um, I think it was really overwhelming. Um, It kind of starts with the... with the historical footage and and even though some of that is also violent, um, by the time you're well into the film, I found myself asking, what am I watching and why am I doing this to myself?
2: Yeah, that um, kind of the last thing you said, Jessica, like why am I subjecting myself to this? Um, that becomes just like palpable and really overwhelming towards the end of the film, um, partially because kind of like at the halfway point, the the cuts really stop coming in. And it's kind of just there's one scene in particular that um I could be wrong. It's like 10 minutes long. Oh, it's like 20, William. Yeah, yeah it's it's very long. Um, the I don't know if it was just my connection or if it was the source footage being low quality or it being re-uploaded to the internet um, and then downloaded by andres Serrano um it's it's really it's really hard to watch that's that's the that's the number one takeaway for this piece
0: that's what I noticed as well like the pacing was really interesting I really I really went into this blind you know i knew it was called insurrection i had read like an article about it or the press release or something so i knew it was going to be edited together clips of insurrection i had seen a screenshot or two but the pacing at the beginning is like any found footage video or almost you know like any video that the new york times or the new yorker put together about the insurrection um only you know only days after it happened it was like kind of like watching a newsreel but then, once that section kicked in, and it was it was like a full twenty minutes long, and you're right, william the this I think the source video was kind of low quality, and then also you know, it's like the camera was smudged, and the person filming even cleaned the camera part way through. and it was it was a really weird combination of it like it got boring, but at the same time it was horrific. And it was hard and hard to watch and listen to because, you know, it's a video that's being shot in the middle of this huge crowd of people that are pushing uh, against an entrance of the Capitol. And the video, because he just lets it run, it really like chronicles kind of the growing mob mentality that happened that day. And it also just chronicles like the push and pull of, you know, the protesters would get. 5 feet inside the door and they'd be pushed then they'd be pushed 10 feet back from the door and then they'd it's it's almost like chronicling trench warfare in a way like it's slow and boring but very devastating as well
2: the the really long capital breach scene that we're talking about is also kind of the point in the film where I felt like I was able to rest as a viewer for a little bit partially because the cadence is very consistent It's still pretty violent It's still quite loud, but um, the scenes where the Trump supporters outside are talking straight to the camera, um, sort of scream shouting their beliefs and their interest in kind of resetting the government, those scenes um, for me were especially difficult to watch because it does kind of feel like you're there. And it's also some of the most, it's just one of the most jarring kinds of interpersonal interactions is when... You're being yelled at by someone who maybe has a holds a very strong belief that may not be your own personal belief um but yeah brandon there there there's a lot of scenes of breaching the capitol from that day, and Serrano seems pretty intent on showcasing this one long slow uh hold out um that does seem indicative of of something <laughs> that I can't quite place.
1: Yeah. I was curious about the decision on the length of the film. Um, so it's 75 minutes. And for me, I also found myself wondering like what, what is the venue this is intended for? Is it going to be shown in galleries? Is it meant to be shown that way? That seems rather long. Is it going to be shown in theaters? It seems a little short. I feel like, um, the the film itself could either uh, could either benefit from having more on the introduction side that um, that really illuminates uh, the decades of politics and policies and events that have led to this one event in a deeper way, or could be cut quite a bit shorter. Um, I find myself like just reminiscing about being in documentary film class. You know, we're we're asked to make like a 30 minute film and then we get it done and we're really happy with it. And then the professor says, cut it in half, (laughs) you know, just to make something more concise. So, um,
0: yeah. But you have to keep that essence there. Right.
1: But you have to keep the essence. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I, I mentioned Christian, Christian Marclay again just because Christian Marclay is kind of the king of found footage stuff. You know, it's like he was doing it before the internet happened when he had to, like, splice tape together. Um, I'm thinking of different pieces of his and how they exhibit different pacing in video art kind of as a genre. So there's, there's one piece by Christian Marclay in which it's um, a bunch of people having conversations over the phone in different media and different movies, right? So, you know, a, a woman picks up a phone in a movie and goes, hello, and then you cut to a different movie and a man picks up a phone and goes, hello. And it's it's like this kind of fast-paced, spliced-together thing that keeps your attention because it's like you don't know what's coming next but you know something is coming next versus uh, there's a piece that was actually in the most recent Venice Biennale, and it was uh, 48 war movies. And it's like this video work where these 48 war movies are pay- are playing, like, stacked on top of one another on a screen. And they're playing together at the same time. And the noise is overwhelming. And there's no way to necessarily watch a single element of it because everything is abstracted because everything is stacked on top of each other. Um, and it's like, I, I saw that piece in a gallery in New York. And I was like, I'm very glad to see this. I sat in there for like five minutes and walked away. Whereas I could watch that whole telephone piece because it's fast paced and energetic and you want to see what's coming next. Jessica, to your point of like the pacing of it and the length of it, um, I feel like this is one of those video pieces that if it were playing on a loop in a museum, it would so depend on when you entered into it to decide what kind of attention you're going to give it because if you enter in on that 20 minute long uncut scene of this footage i mean i feel like i'd sit there for 3 minutes and then bounce whereas if you walk in on a montage that's overlaid with music you're you're going to be there for a little while because it it keeps your attention and that maybe that short attention spans by us maybe that's you know one of the problems of video art that unless you get in there right when it's starting, you may not know what's going on. Um, But yeah, it has the, because of the length and because of the pacing of it, it has the ability to keep a viewer who's captive in focused a little bit, but it has the potential to like lose anyone who's just
2: popping in to see it. It's interesting that you bring up uh, Christian Marclay. Um, We're kind of talking about sort of other art references for found footage, collage media, video pieces. I struggled to kind of attach this work to that art legacy because there's no narrator. Um, there's pretty minimal contextualizing of anything. Um, there are like mock title cards modeled after DW Griffith's 1915 film, the birth of a nation. Um, but other than that, uh, It's really just clips that are, that seemingly come in chronological order of the events of that day, Um, and then it kind of ends. The things that I, the artists I was kind of thinking about while watching the film was maybe like Adam Curtis, he's a former advertising worker, and now he makes um, found footage films with access to the BBC's full archives, but... He narrates over them. He definitely pontificates. He makes a lot of points. They're kind of like loose and fluid and artful, um, but they are quite political. and then I was also maybe kind of thinking about forensic architecture, which is um a media agency that does like forensic research on a lot of global upheaval and like war moments, so they'll look into the death of um an Israeli citizen and then pull as much footage as they can from the event and kind of triangulate uh, where the bullet was coming from, that kind of stuff. So that's highly technical, very involved, um, and sort of pointed at kind of reaching a, you know, a conclusion. This film is not aimless, it's pretty directional, but there's not really any effort I can surmise from Serrano to, to... contextualize it very much i wonder if you guys feel any differently
0: well and i'll add to that jessica i want to know your opinion if you think these title cards that william mentioned do you think they added anything to the film i was kind of like back and forth it's almost a little bit serrano like making the film into a parody it's like the title cards also in, in addition to being you know to alluding to the birth of a nation they're like saying that basically this is a trump film and like it has his signature on it and it's saying that you know this is these are images that he generated because of his actions and i i don't know that didn't ring you know super insightful or or funny or really anything to me so in addition to william's question jessica what did what did you think about those
2: yeah, solve solve the movie for us, Jessica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, I agree with you, Brandon. Um, you know, when I first saw the title cards come up, and maybe it's it, maybe it's because um, as the movie as the film starts, the title cards are more frequent, and then the longer it goes, and the the clips are getting you know longer without cuts. Um, then the less frequently you're seeing those, those title cards. So I think early on, originally when I first saw them, they made sense because we're also looking at this historical footage. Um, and so I can see the connectivity um, between showing historical footage, um, making this reference to the birth of a nation. But then as it goes on, it just kind of feels out of place and unnecessary.
2: The title cards, we maybe should, um explain to the listener, also feature Donald Trump's signature on them. Um, That is kind of, I would argue, the only narrative framework of the film is that it's kind of introduced at the beginning as like, this is sort of Donald Trump's seal of approval on like the legacy of that day. That like this is kind of, this is almost coming from the desk of Donald J. Trump and at the very end of the film um there's a there's a like a vignette a uh, clip of Donald Trump like officially um mourning the death of Ashley Babbitt one of the people that died that day and sort of a, uh offering his condolences to their family and then wrapping it back up into being like this is why we all need to really you know make sure that the government doesn't fall into the wrong hands so get out there and make sure that you're on the right side of history.
0: I feel like some of the criticism that I saw of the video was that it was ambiguous in what it was trying to say, which, you know, I feel like Serrano just as an artist kind of flirts that line anyway. I feel like he often presents things so that you can digest them. I mean, you know go back go back to piss christ it it was exactly what it was and it caused protests and you know it, it's he often plays with imagery that has very strong um reactions for people and seems to kind of lay it out there without commentary or with slight commentary that may guide you one way or the other did y'all feel that this was ambiguous or did y'all feel that this was like a rebuke of trump because he's also been working with trump for a little bit like he before donald trump was even president serrano took his photograph Uh, once trump did become president he organized this huge installation of like trump memorabilia i think it was like at a club in new york um so did y'all feel that he was trying to pontificate at all with this film or did y'all think he was very much just kind of doing his andre serrano thing
1: yeah, I thought it was interesting that the press release also kind of stated that the film prioritizes objectivity. Um, and and while there uh, wasn't kind of like a heavy-handed, you know, narration or, or something um, that was driving home a point, it didn't feel particularly objective to me. Um, but maybe that's also, I, I would be interested to hear from somebody else's perspective um because as somebody who who disagrees with what took place that day i think i'm going to view it in a particular way but i also wonder how a trump supporter who supports uh, what happened at the capitol that day would would see it that would be really interesting to understand
2: i think um it's really interesting that you bring up that line from the the press release jessica that somehow this is um, an objective presentation or, or record of that day. Um, and I think you had something similar in your notes, Jessica, that like this day didn't happen very long ago. Um, it was highly, highly mediatized. Lots of people saw it. I mean, I, as it was happening, it became national, international news. Um, Donald Trump's legacy will also. I imagine, be fairly wrapped up in the global coronavirus pandemic. So like this day is so, this the events of January 6th and all of the evidence we have of what happened, it's hard to see it from any other angle is kind of my feeling. So like, I wonder if the choice to deal with this footage is some kind of um, statement or investigation by Serrano that like, things that are culturally coded like very strongly um like maybe they deserve even more kind of like time to look and sit with um coupled with the fact that like i personally find the footage difficult to watch it's loud and violent and very jarring
1: yeah absolutely it feels too soon um you know just a year later to be kind of reliving the events of that day um and so yeah i really wonder like how it might be different if it was created in a decade from now with more time to reflect and kind of contextualize what happened and why it happened
0: well yeah also if it just gave us some time to forget the the images well which which also i mean that brings me to an interesting point that i fully expected him to use what's the right way to say this maybe the more ubiquitous images from that day or the more ubiquitous videos you know there were there were a section or there were a group of videos that i feel like every news outlet every you know video cut of that day included and Serrano did have a few of those videos included. You know, I'm thinking of one particularly of a protester bashing a Capitol window with a police shield. Like, that was playing, the day of, that was playing on CNN, basically, like, on loop. But I feel like it was interesting to me that I didn't recognize a lot of this footage. Or you had only seen maybe five seconds from the clip that he showed, if that. Um so I was expecting to see imagery that I had already seen. And of course I saw the idea of the imagery that I had already seen. You know, it's like, it's kind of like you see, you know, one group of people trying to push their way into an entrance in the Capitol. You've kind of seen them all. But at the same time, I, I wasn't familiar with these particular videos, um, which was interesting to me that he kind of went that route rather than re-examining or re-showing you the videos that, were already kind of in your memory bank and maybe that decision was because it was it's only a year out and we have seen all of all of those videos
1: i also wonder you know you said that he had pulled the clips from various social media platforms so i wonder if um we haven't seen these and we aren't familiar with these because maybe these are things that he pulled from parlor which isn't a site that i'm on
0: We're also not going and searching YouTube for Capital Riot footage. I mean, at least I'm not. I can't speak for y'all too, but...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not doing that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't need that in my search history. Not not right now. At the end of the video, during the credits, there is a text scroll of some of the sources he's pulled the media from. And I believe there's also a list of the music uh, cited in the film. Um, there's not a ton. Uh, there are songs from Bob Dylan, The Carter Family, um, which I find interesting in the sense that last year I learned that The Carter Family is kind of like um, word on the street is that their one of their songs was sourced for uh, This Land is My Land, like the melody. Um, and then... I think some musicologists uh, have stated that the Carter family probably culled a lot of their music from like traveling folk singers in Appalachia, um, some of which probably wouldn't have been white. Um, I wonder if that's present in this discourse that the film is putting forward, that maybe it actually does extend a little farther beyond Trump's administration, Um, but even that it feels a little reaching cause it's, it's hard to grasp <laughs> while watching the movie.
0: I'm glad you brought up the score because I think that the score, the sections of the film that include a score are some of its strongest elements. And, you know, it's, I mean, that's kind of like saying a video montage is the strongest element of the film. But I mean, oftentimes with found uh, films like this, that's, it may be out of expectation also because that's oftentimes what these are, but there were elements of it that were really good. You know, some songs very much uh, very similar to the clips. Some songs Serrano just kind of let play. Um, and the songs are all of the songs are very, you know, they're very America. They're very much kind of like American heartland, Um, kind of folksy. Also, Um, one of the songs that, stuck out the most to me and just the way it was used though is there's um a recording of a group of people singing the battle hymn of the republic that's you know the glory glory hallelujah that that song um and he plays it and it it just, it's playing over footage that's been edited together. So it's, you know, kind of fast paced uh, the footage and the narrative of that section. And it's very much the build up to people like walking to the Capitol and, you know, getting more riled up. And I feel like it was it was very successful to me because in part, you know, that song is repetitive in and of itself. So you're kind of, if you're zoning out and watching the footage, you kind of don't realize that I am pretty sure he just, you know, spliced it together so that it was repeating itself. Like the song actually isn't as long as it is in the film. Um, But he spliced it together. So it was just repeating and repeating and repeating. And he also like had this kind of minor tone Uh, just this one note under it that got louder and louder and louder. And it really, you know, it was a really kind of minimal element that really worked well to build the tension in the piece. Um, and eventually you see that it's that song, uh, the, the recording of it that he's using is pulled from a clip of people who were singing it at the, at the event, at the protest, at the riot. Um, but what do y'all feel about his music use in the film? Because I, I thought those were some of the strongest elements. And in a sense, I thought that's gonna, that was going to be what the entire film was. Because starting at the beginning, it really kind of was. Um, but the music really kind of cuts out once the real violence starts.
1: I think it makes sense that he did it that way. Because, I mean, music is lulling right it helps us feel comfortable and it helps guide our emotions and our thoughts um, and our responses to the visual images that we're seeing in films and so then to have it cut out that's where for me it gets really hard to watch both because you don't have the comfort of those familiar songs kind of pushing you forward ushering you through it, but also because the visual imagery imagery um, becomes more difficult um, and because there's less cuts at that point, too.
2: I agree, Jessica, that um, there is a certain like directorial like direction that um, putting music in your film has. And when you don't do that um, film or any work of video, it just it just takes a different um a different tone a different feel and most of this movie doesn't have music um again it's it's most of the movie is just not really it doesn't feel treated in any way it's just the footage that was generated on the 6th um almost exclusively by people that probably would have been trump supporters or people that at least would have been there for the explicit purpose of being at um, the event. It's it's hard to... I think the, when you guys keep bringing up music, the thing that stands out the most is uh, the performance by the Young Girls of oh, Freedom. I'm so glad you brought this up, William. Partially because it's not like the other pieces of music you're talking about. It's not really scored. It's literally just a performance that is that's what the footage is. It's footage of a performance. Um, and it's three young girls, um, singing a very like, uh, the performance just, it feels like they're the granddaughters of three Trump supporters that somehow got looped into being on stage and giving a really cheesy presentation of, um, a lot of use of the word freedom and, uh, and USA and USA, you know, that th- things are good or they're going to be even better than that. And that Trump is is the subject of um that, like greatness. That was also hard to watch. <laughs> um, well, and
0: that's another instance where that was, I think, one maybe the first instance where he really let a video play where Serrano, like in this film, let a video clip just play in full. Um, and
2: it, it really breaks the movie or at least the cadence of the movie because it's it's live footage. So we're being presented with people's behavior rather than being um, scored, having the footage be scored by a song. But it's also like the crowd is still, everyone's watching. And I mean, it's, probably the only footage of anyone under the age of 18 meaning like minors um it's it's just it really that moment shook me for sure because it just changes what's happening in the film
0: well i really liked also you know i i I almost feel like you could excerpt that and just do an art video out of that video in some way, shape or form. Like if that video, you know, it's probably like two and a half or three minutes long or something. If that were just playing in a gallery, it's like, and I walked in, I would sit down and watch it in full. Um, because it's so, it's so interesting on so many ways because it's these, it's these kids who are performing a, a song that they may not exactly know the meaning of, you know, it's like, it's almost like a children's beauty pageant or talent show. Um, but at the same time, in the background, because they're like performing at a Trump rally that has like seats all around, including behind the stage, you can see them turn the audience like you can see the audience kind of be like, what's happening? I don't really care about this. And like halfway through the performance, the audience is like clapping along and smiling. And and this also is a, is a video that you can probably find pretty easy listener. So if you Google USA Freedom Kids Donald Trump rally you should be able to find a video of this performance it's three young girls like lip-syncing this song and it is a little creepy
2: it's it will probably be familiar to people that grew up in the evangelical south I mean using children as cheerleaders for political movements is you know not like the newest thing um so I I think I probably identified with it in that way. It looked really familiar, um, but not for a cause that uh, that I'm a proponent of. Um I mean, whatever. Using using children on a political stage is a little jarring for me in pretty much any instance. I'm I can't really think of an instance that I would not be a little like um weirded out by it.
0: Oh, any yeah, any instance, any cause, because if they can't make the choices and know what they're supporting or going against. It's kind of, yeah, there's, there's some ick around that.
1: Yeah. It's also disconcerting because the song itself is familiar. It's, it's kind of a a new take on a world war one, song over there, a patriotic, a patriotic song. So, um, being familiar with the original version and then kind of hearing these new lyrics on it is also uh, disconcerting as well as watching these three young girls kind of perform this.
2: Do you, I wonder if either of you feel like this film has given you a little more insight into like the historical context of the events of January 6th in relation to, um, as you said, Jessica, that the, the that song being a retake of a world war 1 um battle hymn some of the other musical works in the score do you feel like historically contextualized after having watched the movie at all
1: I feel like it it tries to it makes those attempts but i really personally would have wanted something more
0: yeah i i very much agree like it's i'm glad i saw it and if it came to texas I would definitely, you know, we'll let you know, listener, if it ever does. Um, But if it came to Texas, I would encourage people to go see it. But I don't feel transformed or more learned or anything coming out of it necessarily. Like if it was a real documentary or even a real parody documentary in some way, it would have a different effect and maybe would have more an element of that. But I think... I think the ability of Serrano taking the angle of trying to be unbiased may taint the ability to learn anything even though there very much is a way to do a documentary in an unbiased way. But I think Serrano's way of trying to be unbiased doesn't really teach you much.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like um kind of at the end I'm asking myself like what was I supposed to get from that um, and feeling more kind of confused and disconnected from the events at the Capitol that day and from the people who took part in it. Like I really don't feel like it helps my understanding of what happened and why.
0: And with that, uh, do y'all have any final thoughts before we close up today?
2: I just wanted to say that Serrano remarked that he had access to over 30 cameras um, for this film, meaning that there were more than, you know, there were a few dozen cameras taking footage for this, for this movie. Um, And I just thought that was striking. And it makes me think about uh, how many cameras go into making any film, really.
0: The sheer amount of found footage that he would have had the ability to work from, because so many people that were involved in this day documented it. I mean, you even saw that the day of, just in re- related footage, someone would have their camera up, and you would also see twelve other cameras up in that in that footage. It's it it was tr- it was truly remarkable. I mean, it's you know, it's interesting that this is almost one of the first. Things like this to happen in america since cameras have become so widely held by people you know it's almost like i'm trying to think of things that would even be comparable not not in terms of political ideology or anything but just in terms of scale that could have been documented like this in the past you know like the 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 civil rights movement in the south or um the vietnam protests or like, all all of these movements that if people had cameras back then, they probably would have been holding them up and using them, and which we would have so much footage from. And it's interesting that this is, you know, uh, along with all of the um, movements that happened over the summer of 2020 uh, against police brutality, like, it's interesting that this was one of those things that involved so many people, which meant that it was so well documented. And with that uh thank you everybody for listening uh we'll let you know if this ever comes to houston we'll put a link of uh to the usa freedom kids in this post on glass tire to an associated press uh video on youtube if you want to watch that song and that's it for this week thanks for listening and go see
2: some art go see some art
1: go see some art
0: This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Seradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2022.